0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Investors Roundtable. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. You can follow me on Twitter at Bobby K. Kraft. That's B-O-B-B-Y-K-K-R-A-F-T. And this is the the dust after the storm episode. This is the the aftermath episode after all the events of last week from the Robinhood ceasing trading, the GameStop, Wall Street bets, Vlad doing every uh, night uh, nightly show to talk about what happened. So, you know, today our goal is to kind of chat through some of the developments that happened and what that could mean. So I'd love to introduce our panel today. Uh, I'm going to go clockwise this time. At least for me, it's clockwise. We got Sam Namiri from Ridgewood Investments. What's up, Sam? Hey, Bobby. How you guys doing? How's everyone? All right. Thank you for joining us. We got Kevin Shea at The Good Prick on Twitter. What's up, Kevin? And the good prick is on mute this morning. I don't know why he he's he's an OG and he still doesn't know to take himself off mute. Kevin,
1: unmute yourself. Sorry, Robert, I <laughs> forgot. <clears throat> you forgot. All right, I forgot. Right. You well, forgot. thanks for having me again. Whatever. Uh, I'm so gonna go on back on mute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and we and
0: also joining us today is the legend himself. He actually put out a great Ask Mr. Wall Street. That covered uh, giving his stuff. He doesn't do them a lot nowadays, but when he does, it's because of some significant events that happen. So he's joining us today to talk about what he saw in his vast experience in the markets. Uh, that was a, that was a good intro, Dad. What do you think, Shell we, we, we got uh, Shelly Craft from SNN.
2: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, and I can't wait to uh, download.
0: All right. Well, I'm, Dad, I'm going to come back to you first. So let, let me give you kind of a, a few of the events that have happened. So we when we last recorded the Investors Roundtable, it was in the afternoon on Thursday. And that was before Vlad Tanoff, the guy who, who uh, founder, CEO of Robinhood, uh, went on Andrew Ross Sorkin's show on CNBC, Cuomo. Uh, I mean, he literally went everywhere and kind of had the party line. Uh, of uh, it was a liquidity issue, it was a capital issue. I mean, I think he's kind of changed the story a couple times since then. Uh, Robinhood has raised, a, a, I think, a couple billion at this point uh, to, to fund operations. Uh, Citron Research, a very well-known short research shop, has said they're stopped doing research uh, or, or stopped doing short reports, which is huge news. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot to kind of digest since then. So, Dad, you know, give us a, give us your synopsis. You know, what have you seen uh, since everything that went down.
2: So I can rely on history. And, you know, go put yourself into the mind of people who short stocks, you know, and what you're going to find is some of the best talent you'll ever find. They're quality research they're looking into fundamentals, technicals. They do personal visits. They, they, they speak to management. They do all of the deep dive quality research that some of the best longs do, except their entry into their world of shorting starts with one simple concept. Long is wrong. So when they start to play into the market and they start to analyze where they're going to place their bets, I always said, you know, when you short a stock, what happens? You get money into your account. You just sold cash came in. Isn't that interesting? Now all you have to do is support the sell. And if you can do that, you just wait, And just like a long player that has a, you know, commitment to his position, so too does the short, but in most cases, the short research outdoes the long research. And in a short squeeze, like the running of the Pamplona Bulls against, you know, GameStop and all of that, it was really simple, you know, okay, let's find the best, the biggest short interest. You don't have to be a genius to find the largest short interest. But what amazed me was how the running of the bulls, as I say, captured the, the minds of these Robin Hood players that are trading for free. And they went from like the herd and, and they became a mob. And in between, they became a crowd and they shared information and you know at the at the end of the day as we say what transpired was an attack on fundamentals <laughs> and that's basically what we saw
3: sam you want to jump in um yeah sure uh, i i think this is a very like interesting Thing that's happened because as a fundamental, you know, value investor, um, you know, obviously the fundamentals weren't here, and at some point it goes back to reality. But I, I see this. It's it's interesting how short. I agree with one hundred percent what Shelley said. You know, short sellers and these write ups. And I think we had a podcast earlier this year, right, or maybe the end of last year. And I wrote an article as well for the magazine, um, talking about how these short write ups. You know, you short attacks create opportunity potentially for the longs who have done more research and are more comfortable and can, you know, understand the real business and and look at the the overall well, picture, right? Sam,
0: I, not to push back real quick, but I mean, are, should we assume that that people who put out short reports didn't do as much research as as people who might be long that stock? I, yeah. I would argue it's. More or less the same, right? Well, I mean, or the or, or the but opposite. It, I mean, or the opposite, or it depends. I guess on the on the person and the shop, obviously. But um, I th- I think that's an assumption that sometimes we make is that like people who do the short reports don't do as much research that, than those who who are who are long some of these stocks.
3: The, there there are good short sellers and there's bad short sellers. There are there are, there are bad ones that are just purposely putting out reports um, to just push. That's the, the, stuff, the distinction, right? Yeah. And then there's good ones that actually uncover. You know inefficiencies or you know frauds or scams, right? Pump, pump and dump type of things. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so I think that's the big difference. And what what what's part of the aftermath of here that I'm a little concerned about is that now you know the SEC can only do so much. The regulatory agencies can only do so much, um, and that's the value of having short sellers in the marketplace. Um, already, as a short um, as a short seller, I know Kelly mentioned uh, Shelly mentioned that you get the cash I mean- in. Kelly, yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Shelly Kraft, right? So Kelly, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, as a short, even though you get the cash and you have cash in your pocket, there's a lot of stuff against you. You have to pay interest when you borrow, um, depending if it's a heavily shorted stock, um, there's an additional interest you have to pay. And so also generally like you're fighting against inflation, markets go up, right? So um, you're kind of playing against the house if you give the casino analogy there so it it is harder to short and also structurally short typically short hedge funds have a different um incentive structure where they don't have a high water mark that they have to hit it resets every single year so their goal is to typically again not not all funds but the funds i've seen um typically it's it's you have to like do well within the year and then it resets again so if you're short tesla for instance and um, I don't have any thoughts on, on Tesla, but if you're short Tesla, you you're okay. I mean you you're not happy that it goes against you within a year, but it resets. so you'll short it again you know the next year. Um, and now that's your new base that you're getting your performance fee off of. So um, again structurally there's some there's some issues with being short and that's why you see a lot of publicity with, when Citron recharge, so when Citron, for instance, is short a stock they put out a report because that's their catalyst in a way right so and they want to get it done quickly because timing matters on shorts more than on longs there's a hole in your logic what's that
2: that uh uh, in essence when you short a stock you're assuming that the short is going to borrow the stock and not naked short number one number two depending on the stock, of course, it's going to have some underlying derivatives. So if it has calls and puts, then it also has spreads and straddles. And you never have to touch the stock. You could just play in the options and also develop a short strategy. Or, you know, you can have a, a discipline to have a hedge within the options. And then, of course, you can obviously, by the way, cover a short with calls. So, you, you, you know, these guys aren't, aren't stupid. These are some of, the, I know them. They're the, some of the most sophisticated sons of guns you're ever going to want to meet. And if you look at them, they look like a normal person, like somebody, oh, I'm going to go in and buy stock. Never. They, I'm telling you, it's, it's the information chain of events that takes place in a short's life has their their sector oriented so in other words if they're short game right they're looking at everything else in the same sector and they may place a bet on some uh, across the whole sector it's not just you know it, it the healthy um get wealthy so if you're if you're holding on to a position whether it's long or short you know I always looked at hedge funds in my in my career on Wall Street as these guys are smart, but the underlying uh, uh, technology that they or, or the underlying sensibilities in their minds are that they can't lose. That's that's their mantra. We can't lose as a hedge fund. We can't lose. So in other words, even when it came to the IPO market, which is a segue into what hedge funds do. They're getting the th- they may short the entire stock, you know, in the open market. And then all of a sudden a registered direct comes out and they're online to buy in. And the day that thing that they go live trading the stock, their IPO buyers is, is covering their short position. I mean, you know, nobody really examines that but i see it all the time because in the aftermarket the stock falls on its face <laughs> so you know go in and start to examine why that happens and by the way just so we understand that has a one of some of the greatest effect on the health of the micro and small cap stocks whereupon the short positions are generally large cap or mid mid to large cap some small caps so I just want to kind of—if we're going to really go into this shorting business, we we have to have a clear analysis of who your friends
1: are.
0: Kevin, you got a reaction to uh, some of the comments thus far? You you've been a little quiet. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I'm a simple guy, and this is all way over my head. <laughs> uh, everything that everything that Shelley said, I would probably just, you know, <laughs> nod along and. You know, I don't short. Kevin, I've been
0: been his son as long as I know, and uh, I I was doing the same thing.
1: (laughs) So, you know, again, as I chose a long time ago, not to short. I chose to not have margin. I try to keep it simple. I don't take options because I know I'm a big loser. I know that the people that Shelly is talking about are after me for my money, and I'm staying the hell away from them. I don't even want to play their game. And so to some extent, I mean, I see this thing as kind of a, an interesting tennis match to watch, you know, back and forth. And I, I, I did a small poll uh, just recently on Twitter asking people if they're already over this thing. I am. And I'll, you know, people people are still talking about GameStop, but I'm not. I mean, I, that doesn't affect me. I'm, I'm sorry, but I don't care. And I did a, I did a small poll and basically it's about 50-50. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's going to really matter or it's not going to really matter. I do think that there's going to be outcomes uh, from this whole mess. I have no idea what they are. On the other hand, is that when we talked last Thursday, we we're talking about a variety of things, and a couple of things that I mentioned was that there's going to be lawsuits, and <laughs> that, that came through. I think I saw the Raven post something there are now, 30 lawsuits. Okay. Yeah. So that's easy to find out. The other thing about it is you knew that the government was going to have some knee-jerk reaction to something that they're going to do, and they wanted to start taxing traders. So, you know, you can I mean, uh, Shelly and I are are uh of the same vintage and we can look back in time and, sit down and say speak, this, this shit's happened before. Kevin, speak you know, to yourself, and Kevin. it's going to happen again. You know, so we, we knew we knew that the government was going to step in just because of like that's what they're always doing on crises like this. I mean, they just overreact, knee-jerk reactions and things like that. I mean,
0: type. Yeah, like that's that's something that I, I think I mean, I I, I don't I, I just don't understand I just don't know what could be done here. You know what kind of proposals can be put in place. I mean, I've seen everything from now a tax on trading, yeah. which I I think has been talked about yeah. for much longer than just this was just kind of a, a catalyzing event to have that yeah. conversation again. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I, I honestly don't know what that would do. I, I you know it's kind of yeah. like you can eat the tax of trades or Robinhood could start charging for trades, you know, for a minimal fee. I you know yeah, but with but got the, but I the, don't think the Citron.
1: I mean, I've read a lot of the Citron reports, and they're very, very well done. And I would sit down and say that they, they tend to, to me to show much more in-depth analysis than some of the, the analyst reports that you read. Now, the analysts probably did a little bit more due diligence, but Citron, I mean, they go in 30, 40, 50 pages, you know. And similarly, this one recently was on Heisen, Heisenberg, I think the name of it was. I'm not quite sure who that person is or whether to, to, to market, but that guy did a, 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 a takedown of Nikola you know, during the the GM thing. You know, and the interesting thing about it is is that I've seen them. So I was in a company, I was in a stock, uh, Exogen, that I didn't, I actually got out of it before this report hit. But uh, there was a report, I forget it was Citron or not, they took that company straight down. And I don't even know whether or not the data was realistic because they were talking mostly about the total available market. They took them right down. It's unbelievable. You go back and see the chart. But again, I think what's happening right now is I've seen these things like Nikola there's a report that comes out and that does nothing. It's a, I'm beginning to see that these short reports are doing nothing because everybody still wants these damn stocks. Any regardless, I think we talked about the last time is some of these stocks that have huge valuations have zero revenue. Some don't even have a product. Some of them haven't. You know, again, it's 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 getting pretty goofy. Um, not only in the short side of it, but in the in the I don't even know non-analyzed long side where massive, massive um, capitalizations are being offered to these companies that have less than a million dollars in, in revenue. Well, so well, there's a lot of weird stuff going on right now. You, you, know, I you know, again, it's just weirdness Ke- in general. Ke-
3: Kevin, I, I think I'm, I'm with you where it's like, I don't want to, you know, I'm over the whole GameStop thing. But I think the bigger issue is that it is indicative of like you're talking about right now, these zero revenue companies that have these ridiculous valuations, right? GameStop yep. is really the epitome of that. Right. And that's like the prime example that got so much public attention. But, you know, like there's just so much more out there. GameStop, you can write the best short. I mean, the shorts are are most likely right in the long term on GameStop. Right. And so that's the same thing with a lot of these other companies that are that are the valuations have gotten just so crazy. So let me ask you guys a question. Not to dwell on
2: GameStop. Who made the most money? In the whole entire transaction. You have the fo- follow the money. Follow the money. So, you know, who are the characters? And that way we can analyze it, right? So there's the short players. There's the mob that went long. There's the, and let's call them, we won't call them mobsters, but it's close. We And then there's the the platform, right? There's the platform. There's the regulators. And then there's us watching all of this crazy stuff and wondering how it all affects us. But at the end of the day, ask yourself this question. Who is the only natural buyer of any stock? Think about it for a minute. Natural buyer. And that's the short player. No matter how you slice it, when you have a stock and you are short that stock, You're the only natural buyer in town because the only way you lock in your profit is to cover that short, which means you have to go into the market and buy right. Now, I watched the circumstances with GameStop with a keen eye. And while everybody was saying that, oh, my God, these longs are making a fortune. The stock is going from from diddly squid to 463 bucks it was it was like i'm watching like and i'm going so who's making the money so in essence one one thing that a long player does is sometimes when their research is great they'll they they have no bones about going in and cost averaging down right something happens and stock goes from five to four they might go in and buy up bunch more at four, hoping the stock goes back up to six, and they cost average their long position. The shorts do the absolute opposite. They cost average their stock short higher, right? So what I think, you know, look, look, there's no doubt in my mind that the Mets are going to sign Bauer because Steve made a lot of money. He's not opening up (laughs) and talking about it. But that guy loaned <laughs> billions to these guys, and the money was used to cost average their short hire. Dude, lock in Bauer to oh, the wow. Mets.
0: That, that might have been like, this is why Shelly's the legend. That was like one of the greatest like sports to investing combinations that I, was totally out of left field. But, then I, I wanted to ask you a question. Look, you're, you're a former investment banker, and this is I think this is my last question on GameStop is as a former investment banker, why didn't they go in and raise capital and do a deal? Be- I mean, with, because with, there's mo- there no bankers that was going to no, no, no. do that real,
2: deal? Real money isn't going to touch GameStop with prongs. Because, you know, there, there's, there's no reason. I mean, you know, when was the last time you went into a GameStop store? I mean, I, I forget COVID, but when was the last time people who go into stores like that go in because they, everything they can do, they could buy it online. And, and look what's happened to real estate in the, in the retail world. I mean, come on, you know, it's over and done with. So when you, you know, I, I mean, what are you going to do? Put a, put an exercise gym in there. I mean, you know, these, these mall owners are, are dying on the vine and GameStop ain't helping anybody. And it's never been an anchor in, in any kind of store world at the end of the day that's a dying quail why touch it with prongs you know there's no, right, no but, money in it
0: yeah but there there's a bit of brand equity i mean there's there they could do a complete pivot maybe with the right amount of capital you no know, the, the, these are just things that have been out there and set in, in amongst the fin universe and, as like ways in which maybe they can make it work but i mean as you said like if if they're just going to invest solely in that business i mean you're right like I think everybody I know who's a a gamer, I don't know the. I don't think any of them have stepped into a store in the last like five years <laughs> to buy a game, unless oh. it was just to resell because they can make you know sell it on eBay
2: or something. Remember Blockbuster? Yeah, Blockbuster. Hello. there you go. Well, I
1: mean, why would you think that GameStop could actually go out and and raise funds when this thing is going <laughs> stupid, crazy the way it is? I mean, oh, why would it I, have don't, a I don't. Why know it- but why would an institution even belly up to the bar when this thing is obviously ridiculously priced? I mean, I understand that when when you have something like a uh, like a, bio, a biotech company that just got approval for something, it's almost inevitable that they that, they, that the that uh, the the financing the secondary comes out within days of the announcement of the of the IND okay. or anything anything that basically proves valuable to them. So I can understand that but I have no concept of why you think that somebody who's the smartest guy on earth would chase down and fund a company like uh like GameStop Kevin hey, to be clear. $40. To be clear, I don't. I I, oh,
0: okay. I that that hold was just some that that was just a question on. that's that's been put out there. Let me like, let me let me ask why you that? Just... especially thinking about sorry Dev, One because especially Kevin you brought up a good point like especially when we think about microcaps especially in the last like 12 months you know talking biotechs, any biotech that meant to put out a press release having to do with covid within i like I jokingly within minutes they had a secondary right, right. <laughs> they put out news that they were raised capital so that's why that was also you know at, coming from the microcap lens that was another reason why I was like okay well let's ask that it, it's like a logic ste- logical step of like well you know, especially because of where the valuation is, it's a dying business. Like, well, is that a possibility? So, how, do you, that
2: how do you know they didn't raise money? How do you know? How do you know they didn't file a shelf registration? How do you know they didn't do an at the market? That's what how do you say. know they didn't do a registered direct? Or even worse, how do you know insiders didn't take advantage of selling stock into this too? Because I, I would even, under, even under 144, th- they still could have got out of some stock. My guess is they did. That's, they did. And it was like a, the sun came up. They got out because they've been sucking wind. All of a sudden, they rode the crest. And my bet is that they were part of the selling when the stock was going up. Because at that point, anything above, let's say, 100 – was gimme money? It's it's gift. It fell from the
1: trees. Hello, I agree with you on that, Shelly. I mean, if I was, you know, that we 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 do a lot of uh, investor conferences, and one of the questions that you get into is, is how much inside ownership there is, and what are you doing with it, and all that stuff. And you can rate a company on whether or not they're successfully managing their their capital and their their stock. But to me, if my stock was running at seven dollars, and all of a sudden, I see myself, <laughs> and it goes to two hundred and seventy. I'm I'm sorry. I'm selling. I don't give a shit what anybody does because I don't have enough money to take care of all the SEC lawyers who are coming after me. So I would have just said goodbye, take my money and run.
2: You roll up to the sell window with a wheelbarrow filled (laughs) with stock.
1: Get the hell out. And you know what happens when you do that, as you know, those shares that were actually locked up, now become available and can be shorted against, so they can be borrowed if necessary. So it even feeds the fire, as you were saying. I think you were alluding to the fact that it feeds the fire. So I just think that the funny the thing is great for these companies who have nothing going on, like K O S S. Same thing. Uh, a M C is another one that did the same thing. There's a list of them that they went through. <laughs> you know
2: you want to really get into it? How do broker dealers, banks, lend? Stock, whose stocks are they lending? Right, that's the key. They're not long the stock; their customers are long the stock, right? So, if your shares, they let's say the let's say you got a big long player, right? And all of a sudden, you know, uh, pick a pick a bank, you know, and all of a sudden you got an account, and somebody wants to borrow shares. Where are they getting them from? And they make money on the borrow. They you know, it's it's the, the next thing you know, there could be a, a, a run on the stock. Somebody's scrambling to buy shares. So that's another analysis of what happens in a short squeeze. You know, where, where is the, where, is, where, wh- why are people that are short, everybody assumes that they're going in and buying the stock to cover their short. That's not my argument. My argument is, They're shorting more to course average up their short price. And as I wrote in my Ask Mr. Wall Street, it has to do with eventually the buying dries up. And in this case, the mob turned their attention to American Airlines the the, the day after. I mean, you know, they went from one to another to another and it became a game. Of like, okay, let's find out which which stocks have the largest reported short interest, not necessarily the largest short interest, but because a little technical thing you guys need to know that you can be short in your trading account and, you know, you can hold a short in a trading account for a little bit longer than you can in a retail account. So these hedge funds are also taking advantage of being uh, they're holding their shorts in a trading account without having
3: to borrow. Follow? Hello. Very important. So so how, how does that even work? How who allows that? And why is that even allowed?
2: Well, <laughs> you really want to get into it, but yeah. it's it's um, it's the oversight of the accounts that are held, I mean, when was the last time you looked at a uh, level two uh, uh, machine, right? When was the last time you you looked into a, a specialist book on, on the New York, right? So they're, they're, they're carrying um, different kinds of positions. But when you look at the level two machine, you're noticing that these are the citadels of the world. These aren't the old days when you had Herzog, Troster, uh, you know, Ween, uh, <laughs> Baird Patrick. You know, the days, those days, unfortunately, are gone. Those were the fun days where market makers actually supported stocks and, you know, worked, uh, you know, with and against each other. And, and you know, stocks found their own level. Because of, you know, the liquidity that was provided by retail using wholesale stock traders, right? Now, it's a matter of, you know, how many tenths of the point between the stock going from 100 to 101. That was 11 million shares traded, you know, I I mean, things are happening so fast that, you know, the regulatory authorities are trying their best to keep up with it. But I don't think they are, and I don't think they can. So I, 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 I hand off uh, to the sake of keeping the conversation going that it's pretty much an unknown, or if you really want to get into it, let's look at why there's lawsuits against, I won't say poor old Robin Hood, but why are they going after Robin Hood? Who who lost money? Who lost money? Who's who's suing Robinhood? That's that's where you could start the the analysis. Is it investors who lost money, who are grown, uh, you know, can be grown adults? I mean, who lost money in Robinhood? It was investors. So they're get banned now. Now the law firms are banding together and going and forming class action lawsuits to sue Robinhood on behalf of this, uh, retail investor class <laughs> at the end of the day, uh, you know, I, I see this as a, uh, expensive lawsuit for Robin hood, but uh, they will absolutely prevail at the end of the day because they didn't do anything wrong that wasn't caused by regulators that were pressured by the hedge funds, you know, you can't let these. You can't let this mob keep shorting us. You can't do this. You know, and you know the money talks and the money drives the game. So um, that's that's kind of my philosophy.
3: So net wow. net, do, do you guys feel this is a positive for for Robinhood or negative with the PR? You know, bad PR is sometimes good PR. You know, <laughs> free it's free press. Well, I think I think I think the bad question, news,
2: is I think the bad news is not. You know, necessarily uh, uh, doesn't work in or, or in their favor or not. I think what what really makes them weak at the knees is the pressure that the regulators put on them, uh, and allowing investors to sell one share or buy two shares. I mean, what the hell was that? You know, to me, that you know, if if the lawsuit is based on the restrictive covenants that were placed on these retail accounts by by, uh, 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 Robin Hood. Well, who did that? They didn't self-impose that. Somebody came at them and said, hey, guys, we're either going to pull your funding or we're going to pull your license. Which way do you want
1: to go? And if you read the story (laughs) behind that, that's exactly what happened. So you're arguing what I thought by correct. I'm correct. Is that the the reactions that you saw from the Robin Hood management was pressure that was put on them because they were told they were going to be sued. I mean, that was they didn't act they, they didn't act on their own kind. They acted because they were getting tremendous amount of pressure. Did. From somebody behind the scenes, and I think you know who they might very well be. It's but called again, Citadel. I, I don't know why anybody would
2: el on the box. That's who put that. Who that that's the And all right, so let me tell you how, how, how
0: does dad hold on to be fair. He publicly, he did publicly say that he, he was getting no pressure from outside sources that it was his own decision. I'm just, I'm just letting the public know that that was what was publicly said, but we all have, we, I think we can all agree that that's, that's, I'll tell you what, As,
2: as they say, if you believe that one, I'll tell you another one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah right. I, I, <laughs> Bullshit. No, no. Ha, so, so hold on a second. This one you're going to love. If Robin Hood is not charging for trades, right? That means it's free, right? So, how does Robin Hood make money? Let's look into the analysis of how Robin Hood is killing it. right? So they're earning money off of your capital balance held by Robin Hood right? That's, that's, a, that's a big number, right? That, that's not the real number. The real number is where do they send their trades? Remember, it's a retail firm that's not a market maker. So they have to give up all their trades on an agency basis. That means they're, they're getting paid By whoever they send their trades to, so that that firm, like a citadel, could now trade it and make money trading it. And look, there's no laws about how one trader could make money against another trader. But if they don't have the supply or the buy, you know, you either, the only reason why you make money in trading is based on volatility. So if you don't have a buy order or a sell order, You're standing on the sidelines, fiddle farting. At the end of the day, when you get when you send your trade to a citadel, Citadel is paying you for that trade. That money adds up incredibly fast, and that's why there's a relationship between these giant speed traders. These giant, you know, they don't they don't to 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 the citadels of the world. They don't know the difference between. IBM and crapola, they, they don't care. It's just a simple number to them. So the, to drive the revenues of Robinhood is if they made more money that day on getting feed fed by the trading firms that they were sending the trades to, then uh, you can possibly
3: imagine. She- Shelley, full disclosure, are you long crapola? <laughs> uh i if, if if you if truth be told i got a lot of
2: crap all of symbol c-r-a-p <laughs> well uh, <laughs> you know the old wallpaper in the bathroom you know what i'm saying
0: <laughs> so you know sam i i wanted to give my two cents on that question too because i think you know my dad what my dad said i, I pretty much agree with everything you know in in that um I, I, but at the same time I keep thinking to myself, well, all right, does this mean now that there's going to be more firms doing similar having similar business model to Robinhood but saying, "Hey, we're we're better in whatever respect that might be, right? We're not going to restrict your trades ever," you know, or something like that. Um, you know what's funny is the the thing that gets lost the most in this whole thing is that, you know, other discount brokerage firms did the same thing, you know, TD TD stopped trading uh, or restricted trading on these shares. Uh, uh, e Trade, you know, all, all of them, all of them did that too. It's just Robinhood's getting the most uh, visibility on 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 this happening. But you know, I, I ultimately think that Robinhood. I mean, look, you you have enough money, you're going to be able to pay for great crisis management PR, which I'm sure they. I mean, they they paid up. They paid up for some good. Good ass crisis management payoff PR, and so you know they that you're seeing the dust kind of settling as a result of a lot of that type of work. You know, the guy Vlad has been coached like crazy. He's probably getting coached like crazy right now for his upcoming uh, Senate hearing that, or and I think in front of Congress hearing as well. And I, I ultimately think that I, I'm not sure what new potential rules might now be taking into effect other than and we talked about this last week Kevin too is that putting in some sort of new um, not restrictions but ways in which that you can get people to take a quick quiz or something so that they understand you know uh, what what shorting is short squeezes all, all trading options I mean I don't know I actually honestly don't know what that can what that might do. Because it's very simple to just fib a quiz and get the answers, and I'm sure somebody would post all the answers on Reddit, and you know you're good to go now.
2: Um, so, Bobby, I, Bobby these I don't clients, know. these investors, these investor clients have signed their rights away in their new account form, and you know the it's up to the firm to recognize whether or not the uh, investor, uh, you know, customer is. Uh, uh uh deserves margin or not and they just don't right. hand that out they just don't hand out margin uh for the sake of it uh although it is a revenue stream for the broker dealer but i i think they do that, on Robinhood. well uh m- maybe i don't know that for sure but um you know it depends on the value of the account and the income and the prowess and understanding there's a lot that goes into that um, you could apply for it, but it's not always granted. And you know, n- needless to say, I don't want to get hung up on that. But I I see that, you know, let's talk about it. You know, what what look when when the market fluctuates, and the the Dow and the and the New York Stock Exchange has a bear rate on it for some reason or another. They have um, you know stops that are built in now because the same thing happened to an overall market. So I think it's a, uh, uh, you know, with the, uh, you know what I'm saying? If it goes down a certain amount, it stops and they hold it. And, you know, there's different levels and all. How can they do that with an independent, with an individual stock? Unless, unless they go in and halt for, you know, some, you know, market surveillance can always halt a stock. That's, that's a fact, right? But, that's the that's when they do this quick investigation of 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 you know is something going on that's that's illegal right that's basically what they're looking at you know from from inside information to anything possible that could cause a, a, a stock to run like it did then but how how you know once they determine that you know everything you know they call the players they call the company they call the market makers you know, they call the trading firms, you know, and then they get their answers. No, I don't know anything about it. I have no idea why it's trading like this. Okay, we can, let's go. You know, let's start trading the stock again. What are you going to do? Say, you know, Jones, Smith, and Jackson, you can trade 100 shares, but, you know, this guy over here that owns the Mets, he could do anything he wants. Hello, when do you when do you start to look at this and say, Where's the level playing field? And I think that's something that, you know, and by the way, if you think that the regulators have no clue, what do you think the Congress has? They have they are clueless,
3: period. End of story. <laughs> uh, Sorry, one thing that I think a lot of people don't talk about, Robin Hood's brought up a lot, right? but if there was if it still cost $8 to trade a stock how much less trading would there be right now i mean we talk about a tax earlier right about about potentially taxing trading but if it cost there was some sort of transaction fee for retail traders to trade you know how many day traders would there be during this this you know covid crisis you know starting up right sam, a, a lot sam,
2: less sam sam there was plenty of this going on when the when the world also had uh, uh, you know tr- people have been shorting stocks uh, a- as long as uh, as Carter made liver pills. I mean, uh, uh, you know, the, it's a, it's a matter of like you you ba- basically when for instance when I traded, I would have some don't ask how many trades, but we we calculated uh uh commissions right we calculated ticket charges and we calculated other charges right so uh uh aren't
3: aren't uh uh commissions
2: expenses
3: hundred <laughs> percent i agree with you but my, my point was like if you look at message boards for instance people talk about trading like 50 shares 100 shares of like it's like a hundred dollars worth of stock right right that's right. not going to happen if you're paying eight dollars a trade, right? Right. right. And so, yeah. and so with the whole Robin Hood effect of creating free trades, I, I think that's.
0: But, I don't know. Is it though? I mean, think about it, Sam. Like, I mean, if if you're seeing some of these momentum stocks, and especially with COVID, and you're sitting at home and you you're looking at all these different ways of like, oh, this is an opportunity, you know, where I can do a couple of trades. Okay, so it cost me sixteen bucks uh, or seventeen bucks to to for me to ultimately make, you know, a couple hundred. I mean, I don't know, I would do that. On a round
2: turn. It's called doing 17 bucks on a round turn. That means you're paying half of it in, half of it out. So that's called a round turn. So if you have, for instance, a $17 round turn, uh, you know, you may have a $2 ticket charge. So that's another four bucks on the round turn. So you're at 21 bucks. And so if you can turn that into a massive you know, okay, for these guys, more than a hundred dollar profit, and you're in and out in one day, and you can go bark at the moon. And and by the way, when the market closes at four fifteen, not it doesn't close at four o'clock, by the way, fellas. It closes at four fifteen. It's called late trading action. Now, when you get into some of that and you start add up, add up how much money you just made you take off your expenses and you take off your round turn At the end of the day you made money
3: again you you're thinking about it logically i was thinking it more like emotionally when there's a <laughs> when there's a cost when there's a cost to do something and you right. see that cost directly you think differently about it a lot of people for instance a lot of day traders these days don't they don't think about the taxes they're going to pay right and they're like oh i got this gain i made this much money nope when the irs comes after you and forces you to pay your taxes at the end of the year or April of next year, you're going to be like, oh man, this bill, I didn't think about this when I was doing that trade back in the day. So that's for the newbies.
0: I mean, I mean, and there's a lot of them, don't get me wrong, but you know, cause I mean, there was a lot of really
3: experienced day traders that were playing
0: this too, that like, you know, they're, they're well aware of, of all this stuff is, you know, I, that's something that I've been trying not to like, get lost on, especially when you're using the phrase like retail investors, you know, cause that has the implication that there's just, you know, it's all new invest, but like, you know, I like to use individual investors because I feel like that encapsulates all like just not just newbies, but also people that have, are very, very uh, savvy and and, and experienced. And, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're licking their chops and stuff like this, you know I mean? This is, this is their dream is seeing a ton of momentum and a ton of volatility.
2: You know, I, I have to tell you a story. I'm, I, it, it just, it's just, that, it's that particular. This time. is
0: why everybody joined today, Dad, for your story. So, okay. it's about, so it's about time.
2: So when I was trading on Wall Street, I remember the day that I had a meeting with my accountant and he said, Shelly, don't you know that the IRS only takes it into consideration your sell orders? So in other words, if you sold a million dollars worth of stock, they're looking at it as you have to pay tax on the million dollars. I said, you just ruined my day. I said, how do you fix it? He goes, well, you have to match your buys with your sells, right? Not, Shelley, as good as you are. Not every one of your trades is a positive earnings, you know, profitable trade. So if you can't have good record keeping, now today it's obviously... You know, in, in my day, it was hand, hand. you know, you had a match of black and, and red tickets, but now it's obviously electronic. But, you know, think about it. If you don't have good accounting, you are correct, Sam, that they're only taking into consideration what you sold. They see, oh, you know, all of these trades added up. The kid, the, even the kid from uh, you know, now you get a kid that's going into Robinhood, even a, you know, a buck three eighty. you know, at the end of the day, he's going to have all of these, this, this, this amount of shares that he sold. And if he doesn't have the accounting for the shares he bought and the differences, you only pay tax on the profit, correct? Well, if you're only showing one side of the transaction, you know, that's, you're, you're bringing up like a super big point that a, a lot of these, Younger investors that have no, they're absolutely clueless on, on, uh, you know, what the ramifications of massive trading are, uh, they'll find out it, it's around, I think it happens around April 15, like about probably April 10, when they're dealing, when they're sitting with their accountant and they get the, uh, you know, the, what is it? I forget the name of the form. It's K nine. I forget the number. And, and it comes in and it shows, oh, wow. Wow. I, I sold a million dollars worth of stock. Oh my God, right?
3: Dad, help me. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which is your point, right, Sam? Yeah, exactly. You're right. I mean, that, that that's one aspect. I, I think other aspect I would love to ask you and Bobby, especially because uh, this, is, this is your industry and business is, you know there's a lot of now marketing or promotion going on at the individual level, right of these of investments or stocks. and they're not disclosing whether they're long, short. They're probably not following a lot of these rules, you know these regulations and such. Um, how, how do you as someone who obviously follows the rules, you know, a company that follows the rules, like how do you think about that in terms of potential regulations going forward or, um, like, do you feel like the SEC just has too many people to go after now, they're gonna go after less people? Or like, I mean, w- w- what do you think is gonna happen, I guess, to a lot of these like YouTubers or, you know, post writers, yeah. right? It's,
0: Sam, like, the, I mean, this is a really good point. Actually this, you know, not to plug my interview that I did on Charles, but I I, I, I didn't have enough time, but like that that was something that I was, I was starting to allude to on there as well and wanted to discuss is that, I, I mean, from a regulatory perspective, I have, I have no idea how they're going to be able to to track all these various YouTubers and TikTokers, you know, people on Twitter, you know, talking about names and and not disclosing whether they are long or short those names. I, it's just I, I don't want to be the guy the the person in the room that has to try and figure out how to actually you know regulate that and and make sure that everyone is playing you know by the book. Um, but I will say for investors or at least people that are seeing this content out there is the, the only thing I, you can say is, is, is best to protect them is really, you know, do your best to tr- to do your due diligence to see whether or not that whoever whomever is putting out that content, what their uh, position is, you know, or whether whether they are disclosing one way or another or if they were paid by the company or something like that. You know, just, just so that you have, you, you just, you know, you know, that, that, that's really the best thing in the short term that investors who are seeing that content can do, but from an SEC regulatory perspective, you know, it's not, it's not like it was on Seeking Alpha, right? You know, cause on Seeking Alpha, I mean, even there, I guess you, I mean, you kind of, I guess, right. I, I, I've never written on there, but I'm pretty sure you have to disclose one way or another. Um, but um but yeah with all this new social media out there i i, I genuinely don't know how they could possibly regulate every little thing
1: it, no, it, you know bobby one of the things that you're not taking into consideration if, if i might uh, is that the uh, you don't have to go after them individually you just have to go after twitter and make twitter they, they become the policing agent for their own application and they figure out a way of being able to do it. I don't think that the SEC would even want to get involved with it. Again, you can, I mean, everybody's pounding on, on Twitter and Facebook and these other social medias for any number of different issues as we have it. And this will just be another one. I mean, it, I, I certainly can see it being adapted by, you know, if, if Twitter can shut somebody down for saying some bad word, okay, then they can easily shut somebody down for writing, for writing a, a, a dollar sign uh, a couple of symbols and then saying and then not including them long enough, I'm long or I'm short that's that's almost trivial okay so to some extent i think you're i think you're um the the question might very well be more i don't know philosophical or something of that type um, yeah, rather yeah. than rather than execution because the execution of it's pretty right kind of like
0: like how like are you how do you create a system where cuz really we're talking about mostly these people that have you know a, are true influencers right that have you know the thousands of followers, hundreds of thousands of followers that are talking names, you know because I'm you know those are the people that you probably most likely want would want to have rules in place where like hey, you have this kind of followership, or maybe there's a way it's like hey, if you got a blue check mark next to you, and you're going to talk a stock, you better disclose. I mean, maybe maybe that's one way of doing it, but
1: it, it's execution's the, the issue. It's the it's the need for it, the demand for it. The the the, uh, the the either coming from it's either being self-regulated where and I don't think this is going to happen where it comes from the individual investor who says, I'm getting tired of being you know, promoted to. I don't think that's going to happen um, to the regulators, to to somebody in, in government. Again, I think, you know, government will interfere with this thing the same way they interfere with everything else. So in many, many cases, uh, again, I will argue that it's not about how to do it, It's not about execution. It's about the will to do it. Uh, I think I think I think if
3: the SEC goes after a few of these individuals and makes examples out of it, I think I think that'll deter it quite a bit. Um, I also I'm also kind of concerned, especially in the micro cap space, that you know however this ends out, it's going to deter a lot of people from micro caps as well too, which is which potentially is something sad um, that could happen. So. That that that's what bothers me the most is that they're definitely it's it's definitely happening. I mean, I, I can't point out to to who or what specifically, but there definitely are people that are marketing and pumping these companies and not disclosing that they're getting paid by the companies and such. Um, which, but, again,
1: but but that's going on forever and ever and ever. Also, Sam. I mean, the the phraseology is called boiler room. I mean, it's it's been. I mean, Shelley's been playing not been playing the he's been playing in the game or watching the game for enough to recognize that doesn't really matter what the form is of, of the, of the, uh, um, Tout opinion, but it does exist. It's called yeah. a Tout T O U T.
3: But but now people are doing it more, right. Yeah. They have more, they have more access. They, there's more eyeballs. Right. Yeah. Um, again, it's just like, just because it's been happening forever, does that make it right? I, I don't. Wasn't so.
1: regulated, the, the SEC and other regulators turned their, turned their attention away from it when it was at its worst. I mean, again, it's, you got to have the will to do it. I mean, and I don't know where the will comes from. Um, And it might very well be because something out of this GameStop crisis um, will elevate the conversation. I mean, again, it's just, but the, the stuff goes on all the time. I mean, they could have done the same thing in the dot bomb area. I mean, dot bomb era. Okay. Again, it's one of those things where you see it all the time. The crisis comes up. Nobody does anything. Everybody barks and bitches and all that stuff about it, but nothing gets done. So Again, it's, it's, the, so the, you know, it's the will to do it. Maybe, right. maybe there are people out there who, who are willing to take it on, but I haven't seen one yet. Here's You know where the will comes from?
2: I'll tell you. By paying whistleblowers. That's a big deal. If you, I see all the time they paid $50 million in mis- whistleblower fees uh, in the last quarter, the SEC. Think about it. But also... What what you're thinking, what you're talking about, Sam in particular, is that the SEC, FINRA, and even the IRS, it's incidents based. It's like market surveillance is seeing something happened in the market and under the preservation of taking care of ordinary citizens that have gotten hurt by some bad actor or fraudster or lawyer or, you know, shamster, at the end of the day, they're coming in and they're going to take that person down. And whether or not it sends a message to the rest of them, uh, that would be kind of Pollyanna, if you you think that's going to happen. Because where there's a will, there's a way.
1: <laughs> way around it. <laughs> yeah.
0: and, and, and Sam, to speak to your point too about, you know, uh, worried about it hurting micro caps, I mean, I, I, I push back a little bit on that because I think just any issues when it comes to being able to play the game at the same level as everyone else, I think that just hurts the stock market in general. I, I don't think it, it hurts one asset class or another. You know um I, I what was my my other point on this i totally forgot but yeah i, I mean like it went it, oh here's my, my my other point on this is that i think whether we continue to see this bull market or even once you know the we start seeing the bear cycle come in you know there's 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 so much demand for ideas and you know, especially when you're thinking about people that are, you know, pushing ideas out there, whether they're pumpers or not, you know, people are are craving that. There's there's this genuine desire and genuine just hunger for more ideas or what's interesting? What's this? Because, you know, for, for better or worse, I mean, there's so many different uh, resources out there to find new ideas and get access to that. But, you know, some people are just overwhelmed by the amount of of, of 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 information that's out there that they're just hungry to get whatever it is like oh th- th- this is an interesting idea they're like oh i i respect what they have to say like let me at least look into this a little more or something like that so i whether uh, listen i could be talking completely in hyperbole and this might not be relevant for the majority of people that are listening to this right now but i i'd say for the lay investor i mean that's that, that's why they subscribe to these social media channels, participate on FinTwit, participate in TikTok, because they just want to understand what, what it where do I start. That's fine. Well,
2: let's point. hope that the Robin Hood mob doesn't continue to touch a hot stove. There's got to be a lesson learned. And I wrote in my notes this morning, in my own personal morning notes wow, wouldn't it be amazing if we could educate this mob on truly looking at ideas that are different from following some noise that's been created on social media? What is it going to take to educate these uh, potential, you know, long-term retail, you know, smarter, let's make them smarter because it's the only way that they're going to survive. Uh, you know, uh, uh, look, there's two things that are going to happen. If you lost money and touched the stove and you lost money in GameStop, two things, you're either never going to try it again. And this, the, the stock market is not for you, or you're going to realize that like most of Bobby's, uh, you know, people that he interviews, I learned more from losing than I did from winning. And let's hope that that becomes the mantra of the, Growth, in that uh, new investor. Kevin, Sam,
1: oh, I've talked way did. too
0: much. I've talked way too much for for a roundtable. I don't talk this the, much.
1: The, the interesting thing is, but this has been a, a great lesson because the uh, the legend here has that uh, history, and he knows the inside. He knows the inside story. That's the thing that always amazes me: is, is that you know people sit down and say, "Well, why can that happen?" Because it happens. It's just the nature of the institution, it's the nature of the of the, the segmentation between Wall Street and Main Street. I mean, you know, why why so the one thing that always amazed me is, is that why is it that I have to wait two weeks to get an outline of what the short short position are of companies. Um, it's kind of stupid. I mean, it's kind of crazy. I mean, there's something. There's an, there's an advantage in there, and it has to do with information. I mean,
3: I'm pretty sure Shelley doesn't have to wait two weeks if you. Yeah,
1: <laughs> no, no, it's, 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 it's a,
2: a difference know. between shooting at a sta- at a static target and shooting at a moving target. You know, which
1: one do you want? Yeah, I mean, I I, I guarantee you that the uh, that the information that's available to whoever wants it is there. It's just not available to me. And who who would have made it, who would have made that decision to not make it available to me for every two weeks? Who? OK, I think we know the answer. It's not it's it's the people who are trying to take your money. So there are all these things that we are at a disadvantage for uh, disadvantage of because we are retail or or low, low capital investors. I, it, it's, I know that these rules are being made by the people who who are uh, who are actually executing the executing the, the, uh, the process. I mean, it's it's really you know, one of uh,
2: one of uh, one of the tricks of the trade that I'll share with you is watching the level two machine on all uh, NASDAQ over-the-counter stocks, um, not not necessarily New York because that's a specialist book, but if you watch, if, if you spend the time like I used to do and still do, I have one screen set up with what's going on in the level two. I had a level three, so I could change markets. But if you look at a level two machine, here's the bid and here's the ask yeah. and, and you watch what happens to the inside market and you see who's on the offering and who's on the bid and those changes, you know, if someone's showing 10,000 shares for sale on the offer and that same market maker is on the bid just a little bit below, but he's not the high bid cause they frown on that. There'd be high bid and high offer. You'll see that as a stock moves, the various amounts of stock for sale and on the bid change. So to a large extent, that's a very helpful tool. If an investor can learn to look at what is the street doing in the stock? Sometimes you go in and you want to buy 10,000 shares and you can't buy it at the offer. But, you know, you may be able to buy it in the middle. And you know, there's, you know, there's a lot of tricks to the trade that day traders do every single minute, right? That you know, <clears throat> that was one of my questions with Bobby, uh, and and a lot of his uh, very smart people come on his show. Uh, they don't really care if they pay, you know, a dollar thirty $1.30 or a dollar thirty one or a dollar thirty five or a dollar forty because they love it so they want to go in and they want to accumulate it as as much as they can and the trader inside of me goes wait a minute i i i want to buy it all at $1.31 you know I, i'm just i'm just saying that you know cuz look you make money where you buy you don't make money sometimes on the other side because if you know that you're buying it at this price and you expect it to go to here you want to you know get by it close to where that point is that you would ultimately sell but uh, uh you know I always value long term hold and you know some of these deep I respect I respect Bobby's um cadre of long term deep dive you know holders uh I I just you know I just come from the school you know I've never taken a loss taken a profit so you know I I, I you know I guess that's a little bit of my old school intuition.
3: All right. Nice. So, Hey, Shelly, one, one, one question while we have you here and you're good at explaining things is how is the increase in options pushing up the underlying market in general? It's market breadth, right? So, <clears throat> but can you, can, you look can, at can, the... you, can you go down to like the, like when I, if I buy an option, right? What does that actually do to the underlying? well, and does it affect how does it affect the movement does it affect the movement of the underlying because I, I hear all these people talk about you know there's so many options out there now that's just moving underlying stocks and and, and creating i guess at some point they have to buy the underlying is that is that the issue or i'm trying to understand kind of the, the details of how that works all right so you know you know what a call is and you know what a put is right
2: so um and i i, I i'm not going to answer your question without saying something first and that is 90% of the people who buy options lose money 100 almost let's let's call it more people make money selling the options right so if you're writing a call you have to own the stock or you have to have an underlying other option, perhaps at a lower price. You have to do something to justify how you're writing that call. So in other words, answering your question, <clears throat> let's say I want to sell, it's, uh, it's at least 100 shares. One call is 100 shares, right? So if you're selling 1,000 shares, you have to buy the 1,000 shares and sell 10 calls so one of my strategies used to be i would buy a stock that paid a dividend then i would write a call against it so i was making money every which way right i was making money off of the interest paid i was making money off of my sale price on the call and if the stock went up it went up five points above where i bought it i sold the stock so i made a capital gain short-term capital or long-term capital gain off the sale of the call because I now had 1,000 shares of stock at X that I just sold for Y and I've been pay- getting paid my quarterly dividend and I've also been getting paid my quarterly option price fee. So, the un- so yes, if you, if you sell calls, then you have to have the stock. Or, or an option, and and basically you're buying the stock to write the call. That's a very large strategy, very, very often adopted by hedge funds because you literally are locking in three forms of revenue.
3: Got it. So it's, it's forcing the, it's, it's, it's having that covered underlying that's potentially also driving up the price. And you're taking those, no and, sh- and, ta-
2: and you're taking the
3: shares out of the float. I see, right? Interesting. Okay, that makes sense. Oh, I get it.
0: All right, guys. I think, listen, I, I, I I'm, I'm not sure if we, we, I think we've covered most of the aftermath and kind of the dust settling. At the end of the day, I think we all got um, some, some great lessons from the legend himself, uh, oh, which I, is invaluable. Um, and uh, we're, I'm always thankful whenever he, you know, the big guy decides to grace us. So, I mean, I'm grateful when everybody comes on here, of course, But uh, you know, it's, it's always a, it's always a rare appearance, but um, I think we're pretty much there. I don't know. Let's close out with uh, any final thoughts or anything you think that we missed that we, we should cover or maybe have for uh, a future episode. I don't know. You guys, you guys tell me. Fun,
3: fun fact. I just want to share a fun fact okay. on January 29th, the microcap Russell microcap index was up a little over 14% for the year. Guess how much GameStop was of the microcap index at that point? 20%? <laughs> no, <Nah>, 4%. <laughs> over, over 4%. The next highest constituent of the ETF was a little above 1, and then there's a few other ones, but pretty much everything else is less than half a percent. So, just a fun fact. For everyone to kind of think about
1: i would only say that you should have uh shelly craft back on more regularly you know i want but you have to listen to him to be able to uh to take some words of advice you know to get from the from the older gentleman (laughs) you know kevin you're gonna you're gonna
0: he's gonna jump through the screen you're gonna he's gonna jump through the screen okay He, he said speak for yourself all right, don't you see those blonde locks that he still got going on there? Right. But dad, final words, anything, uh, anything we missed today?
2: You know, the, every day something happens in the market that strikes the bell. And I don't mean at the end of the, or at the close. And something happens that needs to be analyzed as you build your philosophy as to how to buy and sell. I, like I said earlier, I completely respect the, the individuals who do their long research, but just make sure that the research that you do as a long either equals or surpasses the research that is done by the shorts, because that's how you win. I
0: think, mean, okay, that's a great red to end right there. Yeah, that was, that was, that was nice. That was a good, that was a good bow. He knows, how to, he, knows, he knows how to wrap a present. Look at that. But anyway, so uh, uh, Sam, where can everybody go and find more information on you and uh, Ridgewood and follow you on Twitter and the like?
3: Sure. Uh, you can go to Ridgewoodinvestments.com to learn more about Ridgewood. You can follow me at Twitter at Snamiri. Uh,
1: yeah, I think that's good.
0: It's pretty good.
1: Kevin? I am still at the good prick on Twitter having some fun uh, making words of wit and offering advice. No, I don't offer advice. I offer entertainment. Anything that I say is all about entertainment. I don't offer any kind of stock advice. I just play with games. That's right.
0: (laughs) And, and, And he makes polls.
1: (laughs) <laughs> oh, so the one poll. So the funny thing is, I need to get my uh, my numbers up so that the polls get actually more more statistically uh, beneficial. Um, the the one poll that I wrote was um, having watched. Are you a, are you a Robin Hooder and how you what what's your what's your outlook? Are you going to stay with Robin Hood or are you going to leave? Hundred percent, hundred percent across the board. said leaving, hundred wow. percent. Again, it's only like fifteen responses, but again, it was like wow. Okay, if that was 1500 responses, you'd probably get something that'd be more more representative. so but I think those I think having polls on on our Twitter is a very interesting way of being able to capture the sentiment of the day you know so I, I'm, I'm getting wise to that whole thing. I just wish that the numbers would end up being significantly more uh, significantly higher and so that way you can make some, you know you can make some statistical assessments. Kevin Kevin
3: didn't mention that all 15 responses were all from his own burner accounts.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I don't even know what a burner account is, by the way, until (laughs) this guy with the hair, the only guy here with the hair, actually told me. You know, to me, a burner is a kind of a dog, you know, Bernese. So, yeah, yeah, I'm learning all this stuff.
0: Really, a burner of- is – you thought a burner was a kind of – what? No. is somebody as, is as the one, on as the one person that actually talks about psychedelics on this show, I'm shocked to hear that when you think burner, you think dog. I'm pretty sure you think uh, Burning Man. Come on.
1: Burning Man? Yeah, Never been. See. <laughs> Never been. <laughs> one day. One day. No, no not anymore. It's getting, it's getting too corporate. Yeah. It is I- a crazy place, though, don't you think?
0: I don't know. I haven't been.
1: I'd love to go. That'd be yeah, fun. you should go to a rainbow. You should go to a rainbow coalition if you want to do, do something even crazier.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll talk offline about what that oh, is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So all right. So Shelly, what? What? You know, we got to build up your Twitter account now too. You know, I mean, uh, we. Uh, you, I mean, you're. You, we have a couple different accounts for you. So uh, in in lieu of saying which one it is yet, because we're gonna we're gonna work on that for you. Right.
2: Well, I'm I'm asking Mr. Wall Street for okay. a lot of guys know that one. Okay. And uh the, the other thing I wanted to say uh at, at the at the end is that unfortunately a lot of these Robin Hood um, uh, account holders are lost in Sherwood Forest. And it's time for them to see the forest from the trees and they should probably Listen more to Friar Tuck than they do to Robin Hood.
0: There you go, all right. That's a great way to end it. So well actually, said. Shelly, well said. So Shelly, Shelly's Shelley's Twitter account is Ask Mister Wall Street. That's all at Mister Wall Street. Dad, you know we're gonna have to do a challenge like we do with Kevin. You know he's at. We got him to five hundred followers pretty quickly. We're gonna get you up there pretty quickly
2: too. So uh, with
0: that, i am not at am not at a
2: I'm not at a million yet. What what goes on here?
0: You're at, a, you're at a million minus, like, 900,000. Or 900, 000, I don't understand 900,000
1: you know, words of which should actually be uh, accepted and just rocket you to the sky. Exactly. But, you know, people just sit down and, you know, think, oh, I don't know. There we go.
0: <laughs> Anyways. All right, gentlemen. Thank you for joining us. Have a great rest of your day. And
2: uh, we'll see you next week.
1: A lot of fun. Thanks.